What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. How are you doing? Fired up for this conversation. Today, we are talking about growing your team and pipeline. Two topics near and dear to every Modern Day Marketer's heart, I'm sure. To help us do that, I got Thomas Peham, who's the VP of Marketing at Storyblock. Love what he's doing. Love what their brand is doing. We talk a little bit about background, team growth, role of content in all of this, how Storyblock is scaled, a lot of good takeaways. If you like what I'm doing, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Also, make sure you subscribe to Modern Day Marketer, our newsletter. The new edition drops today as this goes live. We'll put that in the show notes or you can visit thejuicehq.com to sign up and make sure you tell a friend that you're enjoying the show. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What is up, everyone? Excited for this conversation. I think we all are trying to seek growth in our roles and on our team, whether that's adding new people to help support our goals and initiatives or helping our sales team grow pipeline. And I'm excited to attack that topic today. I'm joined by Thomas, who leads marketing at Storyblock. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff, but he's someone who I met on the internet, how most of these conversations go, um, and we'll get into it. But without further ado, Thomas, welcome. How are you, man? Thanks. I'm great. Thanks, Brad, for inviting me. Really looking forward to our conversation. I'm going to get into a little bit about you because I want to I, I want to kind of maybe set the stage for the listeners. But before I do that, so I, I do a little scattering report. I try to do research on uh, each of the guests before we chat. And I was, you know, going through YouTube and you have a lot of uh, a lot of YouTube content. You have a lot of appearances on other shows and talks you've given. Um, and one I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing, but I'd love to know the punchline because the the hook of the title was very interesting. But I, I saw you gave a talk called What Tinder Dates Teach Us About Omnichannel Experiences. And I didn't watch the full video. I'll watch it at a later date. But but help me and the listeners understand what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I knew you were going in this direction for this talk. Um <laughs> well, what's what's the what's the maybe one minute pitch for this talk? I think as 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 B two B marketers, we we deal so much or we care so much about our user experience, right? And how our user experience impacts certain business KPIs, certain marketing KPIs that we have. And in in like in these times, it's it's mostly most most often it's not only about web experiences, right? But we speak about experiences on mobile apps, experiences on basically any other digital screen, digital device that that we can think of, where we as marketing teams provide content, provide stories, yeah, and and basically provide a a great user experience. So I think we as marketers can can learn a lot from real-life situations like Tinder and um, Tinder dates, because at the end of the day, if, if you go on a Tinder date, before you do so, you have uh, an experience, you have a conversation in, within an app, right? You have a conversation and based on that conversation with a certain person, you make the decision if you're going to move forward with the conversation. And you might move from Tinder to a more intimate channel like iMessage or WhatsApp or some other form of com- communication. You might have some, some calls. Um, and... As a next step, you might decide to go on a on a date with with a, a person, right? And all of those channels 
our channels, right? It's 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 mobile. It's a mobile app. It's messaging. It's voice. It's real life offline communication. And as people, we expect a cohesive, good experience across all channels in in, in the right way, in a personal way, right? And as businesses, we we have a really hard time providing those channel those experiences on those different channels in a cohesive, personalized human humanly possible way right so my whole point is that we we need to look and watch out for those user behaviors that we as consumers have because that is what our consumers expect also from us as businesses and i think 2022 2023 it's a real challenge for a lot of businesses for a lot of industries to keep and provide that cohesive contextual personalized experience I couldn't agree more. Love the headline and definitely love everything that you had to say. And we'll definitely put that talk in the show notes yeah. so you can all go check it out after this conversation. It'll be like Thomas Overload. We'll, we'll, the more, more Thomas takes, the, <laughs> more Thomas takes the better. Based on our initial chat, I would imagine this idea of us as B two B marketers putting unnecessary obstacles in our in in the way between our users it won't won't be the last time this comes up in in this chat but I, I'd love to maybe uh, kind of set the stage because we're going to talk a little bit about uh, storyblocks growth but before we do that maybe share a little bit about storyblock for anyone who is unfamiliar yeah absolutely so storyblock is a headless CMS. Our goal, the reason why we exist is um, we want to provide the best experience um, to all the different teams who are involved in content management. So our tagline is that we, we empower both developers as well as content teams by giving them all the tools they need in order to manage and organize their content for their purposes. Storyblock exists since 2017. And as a headless content management system, we are looking at all sorts of use cases um, from e-commerce, finance, fintech, tech. Um, as a CMS, we're really horizontally agnostic. Storyblock powers to date more than 140,000 projects in more than 130 countries. And that ranges from simple website projects um, to more complex projects around IoT maybe or around mobile experiences, um, around point of sale and, and much more. But yeah, everything we do at the end of the day goes back towards our goal by um, providing providing the best content management experience for the 21st century, because we believe that a lot of traditional systems that we as marketers, as businesses, as developers use, were built at a time where consumers were preferably and mostly only using desktop computers. And since there has happened a lot of things in the last 10 years or so, yeah, we really want to be the next generation content management system for the 21st century. So when I I, I like to go to uh, sites, read messaging, positioning, get an understanding, <laughs> um, and really enjoyed uh, going through Storyblock site. I think the one thing I noticed right out of the gates is like you're communicating to several different audiences, uh, you know, whether it's yeah. marketers or developers, which is exciting, and that me- that probably means there's growth there. Um, but it's also uh, presents a, a tremendous ch- challenge, right? Making sure you're honing in on that message to that specific person that you're trying to reach in that value proposition or use case. Yeah. Talk a little bit about like that maybe and, and how you all are thinking about it at Storyblock, making sure your message resonates with the right person. Yeah. 
Um, no, it's 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 a fantastic topic, and and actually, uh, one hour ago, I had an internal conversation about exactly the the personas um, of Storyblock. I'm gonna start with one thing: content management. And I'm sure most of your listeners are are dealing with content in some form or another. Content management is is a topic that does not sit with one team, one department, one persona only, right? And we like there are multiple surveys and studies out there, and we've done our own state of content management survey beginning of this year, where we asked, what are the different teams who manage and are directly involved in content operations and who manage content? And most often, it's not one team, right? Um, on average, there are six to seven teams involved in content management. And I mean, there are many use cases and many reasons why that's the case. I'll leave that aside. But overall, that really means for us at Storyblock that we excel by providing all the different teams those different tools they need in order to manage and organize and publish their content. And to to make it very practical, Storyblock is beloved by editors, marketers for its simply simple and easy to use interface. It's it's a very fast editing interface where you can preview content in real time. You can change content, and you can easily like manage your content within Storyblock because it's so easy to use from a visivic kind of editing perspective. That is one of the use cases and USPs why marketing teams love Storyblock so much. But at the same time, to your point. What's what does that do for the developer audience and other audiences? I think at the end of the day, all of the all of the features capabilities of CMS should speak to certain personas, yes. But it's also a cross-team effort. Content management at the end of the day is a cross-team effort. So us as a vendor providing a very easy to use interface for your marketing team is also something your development team really likes because suddenly your marketers are not are not coming to your developers for every simple content change um, because they might have a hard time figuring that out, but suddenly they are empowered to do that themselves, right, as a content team. So the developers are most often very happy about capabilities that CMS, that we as, as a CMS provide to the marketers because that frees up their time and allows developers to really focus on new innovative stuff, new features, et cetera, while them not updating content, which should be the job of a marketing or content team, right? And the same is true for, for the developers. So yes, as a CMS, we 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 give developers SDKs and, and easy-to-use starter kits and full flexibility on the front-end side of things, which really doesn't affect the marketers, right? Marketers most often doesn't don't even know about the latest web technologies and what does that mean. But by us doing by us doing that, by us providing those those features and capabilities to the developers, we allow the developers to create really fast-performing web experiences. And that is something the marketing and business audience, audience care about because we as marketers care about fast-performing websites because that has a direct impact on conversion rates, that has a direct impact on the quality score in our Google ad campaigns and everything. So yes, we are, we are building out capabilities and, and also with that comes different messages for those different personas. But at the end of the day, it all goes back to simply providing capabilities um, to the different groups in order to empower them to create the best user experience on the front end. So what I hear there is content is no longer just a function. Content is a part of your culture and touches a lot of different pieces. And what you all are doing is helping bring those pieces together. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about content and its impact on culture in this conversation. 
and before we even we get into the growth, I'd love to learn a little bit about you just in terms of like your background and what led you to a place like Storyblock that's uh, growing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my background, I, I studied business economics basically because I didn't know what else to do in life. So I went to university for three years to to study that. And in that journey, I... There, there's like a, a fun side note that I actually declined the very first job offer that I got because it was in marketing. Um, I always thought that marketing is not for me. Marketing is something where I doesn't really fit in, in a more traditional marketing sense. So anyway, I studied business administration. And after that, I, I um, ended up writing my bachelor thesis about search engine optimization because back then, and we're speaking about 2010 here, I was building different websites for for fun, but also for some smaller, really small businesses in in my local area. And that got me really interested around SEO because back then when I started to experiment and build those those websites just as a little side gig and fun project, I was very particularly interested on how can I get visibility on Google, right? We all want more traffic. How can we get more traffic through Google? And that led me to me writing a, my thesis about SEO, which again then led me an agency job as a project manager um, in a full-service marketing agency. So after university, I, I did that for four years, started to study again on the, on the site, went to Dublin for half a year um, for an exchange program. And when I came back from, from Dublin to Austria in 2014, I decided to do something else, do something new. And at, at that point, actually it was 2013, sorry to correct you on, on the timeline, correct me on the timeline, came back from Dublin in 2013 and then started at one of the biggest media companies in, in, in Austria, again, in a more technical role as a technical project manager, consulting different parts of the business around certain digital projects. And at that time, I really started to be more and more fascinated with with the whole startup and tech scene. Um, So I decided um, once I finished my master's thesis to quit that job and join um, a growing company here in Austria called Usersnap. Usersnap is a B2B software as a service user feedback and backtracking solution. And I got the chance to join the team as the very first marketer, actually the first non-technical person on the team. And through that opportunity, I got the chance to build out an inbound pipeline, primarily reliant on content marketing um, initiatives that would help us scale the business in a very self-service kind of motion because we didn't have uh, any sales team back then and were primarily focused on growing growing our, our self-service business, SaaS business. So I did that for four years. And basically in that time, I fall in love with B2B SaaS, SaaS marketing and um, yeah, guess what? Um, I'm still still around, so I'm still enjoying it very much. I had one stop over at, at a company called Dynatrace, where I was part of the digital marketing team. Dynatrace is, is now a New York Stock Exchange, Boston headquartered um, APM solution, very technical product. And after Dynatrace, I went on a freelance path um, to consult different software businesses here in Europe with their marketing strategies. And Last step Storyblock that actually led me to Storyblock um, when Dominic and Alex, our two co-founders, were looking for someone who can help them build out the marketing side of things at Storyblock. I never really planned to go back full-time to a company. I really enjoyed being a freelancer, working with different SaaS clients. But Storyblock's traction and also the, the culture and the team back then was really fascinating to me. And 
yeah, that led to me building out the marketing team at Storyblock. So I, I think it's funny. I hear that a lot. It's like, I never, I'm doing this consulting thing. I never really planned to go full-time and then all of a sudden you're full-time. And so I always attribute that to <laughs> the fo- the founders, although they might most of the time be technical, they're pretty good salespeople getting you bought <laughs> into the vision and getting you feeling like, okay, there's a big opportunity here. Absolutely. <laughs> so first thing I saw from you and Storyblock was a video through LinkedIn. And the thing that caught my attention and one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out is the first thing I saw in the video is that story block in two years had gone from three people to 29 global company, you know, during this time. So um, that to me, I I love hearing stories about growth and and trying to, you know, hire a new team, especially globally. And I think when we first talked, I remember you saying like, you know, there's this like zero friction mentality that helps support your team growth. So maybe talk a little bit about that experience of like you joining and then the, it being a small team and then, you know, expanding at that rate in such a short time. No, absolutely. So maybe for, for some, some context or some, some, some timeline setting, I really got the chance to join the team in mid 2020. Um, and back then the whole company included about 25, um, employees, mostly on the product team who were just building out the first sales sales colleagues, um, our VP of sales, Sasha, who's still around, um, joined the team as well. So back then, the whole company was about 25 people in the company. And on the marketing side, Dominic, actually, our CEO, um, just hired um, Siavash and Crystal, who are also still around, um, part-time as content marketers. And he basically approached me with, with the message of, hey, Thomas, I just hired two marketers. Now is the time I want to bring you on board. Can we, can we talk? And um, yeah, I really, I, I really, I really took the opportunity on first part time, and since January, then full time to to build out the inbound side of things. But I have to zoom out for a second because yes, we've scaled the team since then on the marketing side from Crystal Stevas joining part time, both basically one full one equals one full time employee to thirty people right now within two years more or less. That's been a very, very fun, very exciting growth journey. But to understand that growth journey, I I have to acknowledge and I have to mention a few things that were already in place in 2020. And one thing was um, inbound traction. Storyblock until until 2020 or end of 2019, beginning of 2020, relied solely on self-service um, as a self-service um, go-to-market. We didn't have any sales team. We didn't have any marketing team, any partner team. Nothing it was solely self-service driven, meaning anyone can go to our website and you can do that still today. You can go to our website, sign up for a free trial, test the product for free for 14 days. We also have a free community plan that can be used as a lifetime free version if you're like a solo developer, a freelancer whatsoever. You can use Storyblock for free lifetime. And through that motion, we were able to grow revenue substantially also on the self-service side. And through that motion, Dominic and Alex for a very long time, our two co-founders were able to scale the company in a very small team by automating a lot of things. Because if you don't have a sales team, you're not talking so much to potential customers, right? Customers simply come in inbound, buy the product through swiping through their credit cards and happily using it. And that is what what happened until 2020. And that meant that Dominic and Alex both come from a developer background. We're also sharing their knowledge as developers being in the space. So they were what I would call content marketing. They were doing a lot of content marketing 
by sharing their knowledge to the developer audience, by talking at, at developer events, being visible in certain deaf communities, donating to open source um, contributions, et cetera, et cetera. So they were doing that quite naturally because that helped them grow the self-service side of things. And in 2020, also very organically, and a lot of things happened organically at Storyblock, they were onboarding some very big enterprise clients um, who started to replace their whole CMS suites, multiple CMS systems onto Storyblock as the single source of content truth and as a single content hub. And through that, through that kind of MVP kind of experiment with onboarding the first enterprise customers, they realized the potential that sits there by us expanding from beyond the self-service plan to also like the whole enterprise side of things. And yeah, that led to us building out the sales team. We now have a growing sales team, I believe of, I really stopped counting to be honest. So don't take me up for numbers. I believe 70 people or so, I guess. We now have a partner team. Storyblock relies quite heavily on our amazing solution partners and tech partners. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of brands would turn towards agencies, right? Would turn towards implementers when it comes to new projects, be it website relaunches or maybe more complex experiences. So we do have now globally more than, I think, 1,400 registered solution partners and more than 100 are actively certified Storyblock partners, meaning we, um, those 100 plus partners are have proven track record that they um, can implement Storyblock projects globally for certain use cases and areas. So these were the things that were going on like towards the the, this, the enterprise side of motion. The reason why, why Dominic actually came to me in the first place was he wanted to replicate what he has seen working in the developer community also for, for the marketing business type of audience, right? Because back in 2020, Storyblock was already a bit known in some dev communities. But if you would look at the whole CMS market or also the, the larger headless CMS market, we weren't really that visible. So the most natural thing for me when I came on board was I do come from a content marketing background, as I shared before. Dominic and Alex were doing that for years in the deaf community. So it was natural for us to double down on, let's say, content marketing for the business audience um, by educating, evangelizing our solution, but also the, the larger topic around headless CMS and all of that. So that was really the starting point for us as a marketing team. And through my background in, in previous roles, I... I also learned a lot about how you can combine content marketing with performance marketing, paid marketing, and how in a lot of occasions, content marketing takes time, right? It's an organic process to build out your visibility for certain key themes and become like the, the thought leader in certain spaces and areas. So the next role we hired and we started to do was paid marketing, Google a Google specialist, um, LinkedIn specialists, and to, to scale basically faster on that side of things by the support of that channel. And organically, over time, we onboarded other roles and in both the lead chain side of things, demand chain side, as well as the, the branding side of things, because at the end of the day, we're working in a very competitive market, right? CMSs, there are hundreds of CMSs out there, um, depending on the different markets and regions and verticals. There were there are even more specialized versions out there. So we focused a lot also last year on PR, um, public relations and the branding side, because at the end of the day, you don't swip and you don't flip your CMS every few months, every maybe not even every few years, right? So it's a really also for us a long-term investment we want to do. And our message is that we're not going anywhere, but with that comes also like a visibility challenge, uh, an awareness challenge. 
challenge and with the whole CMS market um, transforming quite a bit these times because of all of the different front-end um, interfaces that are coming up and other reasons, it's also a big opportunity for us um, to continuously invest in the branding side of things. So in a nutshell, those challenges and those focus points really led, led to a 30-people marketing team right now in branding areas, branding PR, um, lead generation, demand generation, and marketing services. So right now, we also have an in internal content team that includes also video editors, video producers, written content, obviously, and all of that, product marketing and marketing operations. But yeah, I think that's a quick overview on the, the current the current state. I love it. Um, there's something you said that I grabbed a hold of that I'd love to understand more because I think it's something that many marketers are dealing with where you're, you start with this kind of self-service model and then you move over because you notice something or your founders notice something where it's like, okay, there's an enterprise opportunity. So yeah. you're as the mar marketing leader, you're in this balancing act. You're like, okay, I keep this self-service thing rolling. And then we go yeah. run these tests and experiments. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, we got three people and we're trying to manage this. And there's a time where it's like, you probably can see like people resources coming in to help support the growth of that, but that can't happen right away until you prove certain things out. So maybe talk a little bit about that, like management of both sides and how you got yeah. through it before you started adding people on to help support it. Yeah. It's, it's a very great topic. And, and I think before joining Storyblock, to be honest, I, I always thought that this is a big challenge that many software companies have, right? To maintain both a self-service kind of motion as well as an enterprise motion. But at the end of the day, what we see at Storyblock and what where we saw some first signals in 2020 was around how can you bring people from the product experience to sales conversations in a simple way, right? Because at the end of the day, yes, there's a lot of talk these times about product-led growth, right? And, but within, if and I would say, and I would make the statement, Storyblock sits on a product-led growth motion. So every single sales conversation that we have, be it partner-assisted or direct sales, all of those conversations, all of those people have product experience, have product background. So the argument, the, the the way we see it right now, I'll come I'll come to 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 the past in a bit, but how we see it right now is product-led growth, the product experience at the end of the day supports and funnels is at the end of the day a growth engine, a growth model to support the sales motion. I know that a lot of SaaS businesses struggle with that, and I've been there myself in in various roles. That it's not easy, right? It's not easy if you sit on a sales motion to make the switch to the enterprise motion. And it's also hard the other way around. If you sit on a sales motion, I hear a lot of talks these times where sales-led businesses want to move towards a product-led um, model where the product really supports that. It's not easy in a nutshell. I don't want to really make that a smaller problem. It's it's hard at the end of the day. So what are maybe some learnings or or some, some, some insights or tips I, I, I would have here today? I think one of the things that we saw at Storyblock is it has to happen or it happened organically through the product experience. So now it's easy to look back and, and, and say, well, we ever planned that. I'm not sure if Dominic and Alex ever really planned it this way, but it basically happened organically through the product expertise by enterprises signing up for the self-service plans and requesting enterprise features and actually not only requesting those enterprise features, but we're also willing to pay an add-on fee for those enterprise features, right? So 
as a SaaS business coming from the self-service side of things, those were the signals that we saw on the product experience, solely product experience. To be honest, we weren't even having a sales team, marketing team who, who were really falling up or anything. Actually, there's this fun story that Dominic sometimes tells that at that time, they even hided the contact sales form because they were so overwhelmed by product usage that they didn't want to have companies speak to them on a one-on-one kind of level. But Storyblock organically made the switch, the Gradle switch by enterprises requesting enterprise features. Obviously, you have all the other areas like custom SLAs and, and all of that with, with enterprises starting to use your system. But the foundation was always there. The foundation that also an enterprise can use Storyblock as a CMS was always there, is always there, even on the self-service side. So it was more on top of how can we provide additional value to those enterprises by building enterprise-first or enterprise-only features that where enterprise care about them, like backup solution, version history, user management. You don't care about user management and which rights your editors have if you're a small team, right? But if you're a global enterprise like Education First, um, who, who, who is one of our largest um, education companies and partners, they use Storyblock globally in, I believe, more than 50 countries. They have local translators, they have editors, and so many different roles in there. They care a lot about grad, like very specific user right management. And by us providing them a flexible solution for that, they're happy with that, right? So the lessons learned from there is really talk to your cut or listen to your customers, even if you don't want to talk to them and see what their requirements are from a from a capability feature perspective and how you can really provide additional value by building out those enterprise-only features. I think that's really the biggest learning. And still today, that's that's what we see working for us. But yeah, obviously it's also the other way around. I'm like product-led growth is not something you can, like there's so much, you can't really force per se, if that kind of makes sense to saying, but it's more about being a product first company. So the thing I would mention there is to any business being enterprises, making the switch to the self-service kind of motion or the other way around is Dominic and Alex are two co-founders. We're, we're in the shoes of our customers in a lot of occasions. Storyblock actually happened because there was a real-life need for a proper CMS in their agency they worked in. So at the end of the day, it's us solving our own problems. It, it was Dominic and Alex in the early days solving their problems as an agency who would support Adidas, Silhouette, and many different e-commerce businesses in the German-speaking area. And now it's us doing that as a global team. So Product-led growth really sits on the foundation, I think, by where you closely either have to learn from your customers or you have to be your persona yourself. You have to understand, you have to be the problem. You have to be the person where you're solving the problem for. So I would imagine that uh, during this journey, content has played a, a pivotal role in it. I, I hear you say your co-founders were giving talks in the developer communities. They went out before they brought you on board to hire yeah. marketers. And so I think probably a big reason why Storyblock's grown at the level and rate you have is probably because you know there's been an emphasis on content. And one thing I heard you say when we chatted earlier was when we were talking about content, it was this question of, does it fit our culture? I think that's such a, uh, it can lead to so many insights and can probably lead to so much save time and effort. Maybe talk a little bit about that, just like content culture you have and that question specifically. Yeah. 
it's I think it's such a great question because it's it's kind of a disclaimer, right? Does does your culture fit content marketing? And I I kind of realized that when I was working with different software businesses um, and consulting them on their their marketing strategies, but also around their their content strategies. And sometimes I would I would hear founders or like marketing leaders and in, in startups and scale-ups come to me and be like, Hey Thomas, I, I know you 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 were able to scale your business through content marketing. Can you help us do the same thing for us? And one of the first disclaimers I put out there is, well, yes, maybe, but um, does it really fit your culture? And so let me explain what I mean by that. If you're a small team, if if you're maybe just founders and or you're the first marketing hire or you're building a marketing team, content and how the purpose you want to have with content marketing at, at the end of the day, it's in a simple way, awareness-driven, position, positioning-driven, positioning yourself as the experts out there and lead gen, lead demand gen-driven can fulfill all of that, but does it fit you? Because content needs to f- feel authentic, right? It needs to feel, if you're founders, it needs to feel to you as a founder. And you as a founder, you define the culture in your company. Or in a marketing team, it needs to fit your marketing um, team members as well. Why? Because I would always evangelize that you have to put yourself out there if you're the founder. You, It, it helps to, if you want to scale your business for content marketing, for example, be it through written forms or video, is that something you as a founder feel feel comfortable doing? Like, because if that's not the case, most likely you will easily question the the KPIs and and the short term success or not success early on. And content marketing per se is not something where you do something right now and you see a result tomorrow, right? I mean. If you publish an article or start publishing articles, videos, whatever it is, and you're putting yourself out there, this most often takes time. Yeah, I mean, there's a lucky shot and something might go well, right? That's great. But what you're looking for is organic traction. What you're looking for is a steady traction because that is the joy of content marketing, right? That it scales even if you stop doing, if you stop producing and putting yourself out there. But in the beginning, it also means it's very hard that you get very short-term results. Yes, you can support it as mentioned before with paid efforts and so on and so forth. But my disclaimer always is, does it fit your culture? Because it asks you, do you feel comfortable doing this job yourself? Do you as a founder feel comfortable creating one video a week where you record yourself and you share your knowledge about a particular topic? I'm not asking you to create super fancy videos, but I'm just asking you how it feels for you to to share your knowledge through video, audio, written form of communication. And yeah, if most often this would spark a conversation around yes, no, and some something in between, right? But it would also put content marketing into context because yes, it can support you with certain business goals that you have, but maybe there are other tactics, other strategies out there that would support you, support your business goals in the same manner or maybe even in a, in a, in a better way. And that is, I think, also the conversation, the honest conversation you as a founder or as a small team need to have, because maybe sometimes it's it's not the right it's not the right strategy, and you might rather look for a sales led strategy, an outbound strategy, or really something else. So, yeah. So one I guess thing that's I, just my big disclaimer there. <laughs> I know it's a good disc. I think we we need more disclaimers in B two B marketing. Especially maybe just we need more disclaimers on LinkedIn. So if you're posting on yeah. LinkedIn, put, put more <laughs> disclaimers out there because your uh, one size fits all approach doesn't necessarily work for everyone. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, 
But I want to, so one thing I just listen and I hear out of talking about marketing at Storyblock and your story that I think is really important is like, I, marketing, I gather just from these couple conversations with you that marketing is very, very ingrained in everything that is story block. It is the marketing team is not sitting on a yeah. whole nother island. And so I would imagine it, you all being ingrained um, has helped contribute to the growth and helped uh, story block scale. Talk a little bit about just like how important that has been, where it's like yeah. you, you just in helping you grow your team, helping you grow pipeline, just the culture in general. You have one trigger word in, in, in your question there. And I think that that's siloed, siloed thinking, right? How siloed is marketing in, in one business? And one of the one of the reasons, or maybe the main reason why we were able to grow the marketing team at Storyblock is because it's not siloed, right? It's not siloed and detached from our business KPIs. It's not siloed and detached from a funnel perspective. Marketing for us is part is the main vehicle that drives inbound pipeline, right? That drives inbound. Marketing is responsible for in for inbound for demand generation, for demand capturing. And that is where Storyblock comes from, right? As mentioned before, through content marketing, through everything our founders did since the early days, we were able to grow inbound on the self-service side. And today we're able to grow inbound pipeline, not, not only on the self-service side, where we see self-service more as a growth product, as a growth vehicle, as a marketing tool to grow enterprise. So inbound, at the end of the day, marketing contributes to, to our to our ARR goals. And that is the reason why we were able to we were able to grow it and why we're still able to grow it because that's a growing, that's a growing go-to-market motion for us. That's a very short answer. But obviously as, as a marketing team, we also support the other the other go-to-market motions, namely speaking our partner channel, um, as well as our outbound motion. So it, it really goes back to alignment and how first and foremost marketing should never be. And that's also one of the disclaimers I put out there when, when someone joins us on a marketing team. Marketing is not a siloed story block. Marketing is tightly integrated with from a commercial perspective with our sales team, our partner team, and the three teams together we form the commercial team. That's story block. We we are tightly part of the the vehicle, right? We we are one we are one wheel, or maybe we are two wheels in a car that drive forward uh, our business goals. Yeah, that is the reason why, why why we were able to grow to thirty people right now. I'm gonna stop there because I'm, I I know you had had a second question there that, <laughs> that I yeah forgot. yeah no yeah no and I think like the, the follow up there would just be you know you're out here scaling a team growing, adding a lot of people are pulling back because of circumstances outside of their control. Talk a little bit about that. Like what, 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 what are you learning through this experience? Yeah. I mean, we, what I'm learning, I, I think we, we look at a time where many tech businesses or probably most, most tech companies, tech startups are now focused on profitability, right? Um, these times in in, in in this in the whole economic situation we're all in globally, businesses, also growth businesses who fo- didn't focus so much on profitability now look at that, right? And in a SaaS business, it's mostly around what's the lifetime value to customer acquisition cost ratio, right? How much do we spend? What's the ratio between acquiring a customer? What's the cost on the sales marketing side of 
of things and what's the lifetime value um, that we we acquire and I mean there are different benchmarks out there and in a nutshell as a, as a healthy SaaS business I would make the statement that your customer acquisition cost shouldn't be any higher of one third than your lifetime value right and without knowing too much about other businesses but from how I interpret the current developments there, I, I would say that most likely a lot of growth businesses weren't too focused on that, right? Weren't too focused on what's the CAC to LTV ratio, because if you would have been, or if you are, you can still grow quite quite nicely, but in a kind of more healthy way, because uh, you, you 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 can you can manage burn rates and, and so on, in, 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 in I guess in a more transparent and, and better way. We've always been there, right? In the last year since we started, we've 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 been looking at many data points, and especially we've been looking at LTV to CAC ratios and how if we grow the marketing team and the sales team and the partner team, obviously we also have to grow our output in terms of net new customers and and, and lifetime value, right? In a simple way, these are the these are the factors and parameters that go into that calculation. So. In that that regard, Storyblock has always been very healthy um, because we we were able to grow substantially in the last year the ERR side of things, while at the same time we're growing the team. I think a lot of software businesses are now making the switch to this kind of model where you not only focus on growth and so growth just for the purpose of growth, but you focus on how can you grow more sustainable in in these times. And I think that's what what we're seeing right now in the in the tech or in the software space. All right, so much information, so much knowledge. The story has been awesome, Thomas. Before I let you get out of here, I, it sounds like you've uh, you've it's been quite the experience for you at Storyblock, and you've learned a ton on the growth side, on you know managing two different go to market motions, hiring. Based on your experience, maybe what is one piece of advice that you have? growth or non-growth related for marketers um, as we're heading into next year? Mm, I'm really bad with tips. <laughs> I'm usually better <laughs> with, with failure stories. Uh, I would say one tip is like as, as a marketing leader, st- stay authentic, stay true to yourself. I, I think what I've learned personally in the last year is that um, you can only grow in a good way, in a healthy way, if you stay true to yourself, to your personal values, to your personal goals, to your personal motivators, while also being nice to other people. And uh, I think at Storyblock, we 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 sometimes hear the feedback that we we have so many nice team members who who care, who truly care about their work, who truly care about a successful future together at Storyblock. And I think it goes back to. Yes, as a marketing leader, you have to you have to be knowledgeable, you have to be authentic, but you also have to be empathetic. And that triangle, and there's a very good book called Unleashed out there who speaks in more detail about this, is something that I found as a very basic guiding principle for myself. Because at the end of the day, it's it's us as humans working together and we we all want to have a good time. We want to achieve something cool. But maybe something I haven't mentioned before, we're also fully remote, right? So we don't see each other every day in the office, which means we have to fully trust ourselves and our colleagues to do the right thing. And I know sometimes that's not too easy to achieve, but I think this is this is the basic, basic principle I want to keep as long as possible at Storyblock that we trust ourselves no matter when and where we work and to be able to work in an asynchronous way and to have team members who care. And my role simply is 
to enable that, right? To make sure that we don't lose that. Um, so right now, I think my tip is be an enabler and don't put yourself out there. Um, yes, that comes part of with part of the job, but at the end of the day, it's about enabling your team and enabling many other colleagues. It's marketing doesn't stop as said before with the marketing team. It's there's so much more behind this. So be an enabler for your team, for your customers, for your partners, and every growth will follow um, in some way or another. Treat people well, enable them. So much good information. You'll find growth if you do the simple things. Thomas, thanks so much for coming on. Had a great time. Learned a ton from you. Thanks for having me, Brad. I always enjoy talking to marketers like Thomas. I learned so much from him. Hopefully you did too. Make sure that whatever you do, it fits the culture. That is one of the takeaways I got from Thomas. You take care of yourself, take care of others around you. We'll be back more modern day market on the other side.